single with your host. I'm Mike. That's Chris. What's up? Slim. What are we getting into today? Man, you already know what it is, man. Before we even start, I just want to go ahead and let everybody know that you should go ahead and follow Beyond Her and Evil. If you ain't following Beyond Her and Evil on the IG page, on the Spotify page, on the Apple podcast page, you're doing yourself a disservice. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead and hit us up on Instagram at Beyond Hood and Evil. Make sure you follow the page and share the page with a friend. Am I saying that we're going to blow up your feed? No. <laughs> Am I saying that we're going to be posting content that you need to know, though? Yes. If you're listening to us right now on Spotify, make sure you hit that follow button and rate us. If you can't rate us, that just means you ain't listened to enough episodes. So make sure you double up, play a few, and then come back and rate us. If you're listening on Apple, make sure you hit subscribe and rate us. And if you're listening on neither of those platforms, do the same damn thing. All right, let's get into it. And you already know what it is. It's Beyond Evil today for the beyond of it. We're going to be getting into a topic that's kind of weird because it doesn't really apply to us, but it does apply to us. <laughs> and that we're do- today we're doing things I wish my dad taught me. And mm. as two young black, youngish black men, because, you know, <laughs> Mike and yeah. I, are, you know, we in our 30s, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> youngish black men, you know what I'm saying? Young presenting black men. We, we, we are not fathers as of yet, but... I feel like both of us, and as a man, you you know, you do have these things in your back of your mind. You always gestate because if that if that moment, if you are blessed in that way to have a progeny, hopefully mm. it's not, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> team, team boy dad, you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> these are things that you always think about. At least I always think about that. I've been thinking about that since I turned 18. Like, oh man, if I had mm. a kid, what would I do? What would I do? What would I teach him? So yeah, man, that's what we're getting into today. I'm excited about this one. If, you know, for folks who don't know me personally, um, I've, I've always said, I think my life's purpose is to be a, a father. And mostly because I got all this unsolicited advice <laughs> <laughs> to just pour into a child. And, and Chris, I, I grew up in a house, you know, uh, as one of seven, three, three boys, I'm in, including me, four girls, boys weren't in the house. I was the only one in the house. Dad was doing his thing, working, et cetera. So it was basically me, moms, and my sisters, mm. right? My first few jobs at women bosses, right? Mm. And most of my clients, actually all of my clients are, are women that are leading right. the work. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Talk dirty, that's right. <laughs> so that is to say uh, that I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm in a, girl dad camp I, I i think that i i wouldn't be surprised if i if there was only well first of all if we are blessed to have a child and then if we can have one or more child children i i think i, I just i don't have any control but i think there will be girls and i'll be more than happy with that because i don't want a house full of boys at all weak <laughs> he's a he's a he's a what's they call sigma male Beta cuck, that's what Mike is. Wow. <laughs> Team Red Pill oh. over here, man. You know, I love to have a have a house full of champions, you know? <laughs> People, a real clay of the earth that I can mold into my image <laughs> to continue the greatness that is me for future generations, to sow my seed across this vast earth. You know what I'm saying? That'd be the ultimate blessing I could bestow upon everyone. <laughs> you can't even get that out without laughing, bro. So ridiculous. To close yeah. the loop on that, though, man, 
I'm I'm excited to be a father. So this topic is 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 a real one for me because it's something that I think about and something that I'm trying to prepare for. Like I told you with my career, with me being a consultant, starting businesses, et cetera, a lot of that was for me to be able to control my time mm. so that I can spend more time in the crib, leading the house. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying like, as like a, the patriarch, like do what the fuck I say, but you know, cleaning, showing, and you know, making things happen, making it, making it run. Yeah. Um, so to get to how you teed this up though, I'm extra excited because uh, this is not a topic that we were just thinking about, Chris. I think this came from a Bay friend. A hundred percent, man. You know, as a top 10 podcast in the world, Behind Good and Evil, you know what I'm saying? That's some news that I wanted to put on the platform you know, for all y'all <laughs> listeners out there. You know what I'm saying? Y'all tuned into one of the top 10 podcasts in the world. I just want, that's a real stat. And I got the facts to back it up. You know what I'm saying? Hit the Bay page. You want to see more information. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, you know, Renzo, he hit me up. He was like, yo, Chris, man, he taught me. He a coworker of mine, real cool dude, man. He he's a father himself, a husband and a father, a homeowner. He's he's doing it big, man. And I'm really, you know, I'm really envious of his life. You know what I'm saying? He has a lot of the things that I want for myself in the future, and <laughs> and, and in the present whole time. But he just pro- broached the subject with me after you know telling me about the podcast. He's like, hey man, it's going good, man. Yeah, but y'all want to hear y'all talk about this, you know, things about keeping your madness. I want to hear y'all talk about madness and how y'all keep your madness in check. And I, I remember I just re- responded like, oh, you mean like that quiet bubbling rage that's inside of every person, every man? He's like, yes, that's the thing I want to try to engage. <laughs> so then Mike had the, the lovely lens he presented this morning as we were doing the podcast pre-show. He was like, nah, man, I had, he was talking about how this idea was gestating in his mind, mm-hmm. things that he wished, you know, his dad taught him. And I was like, that's a perfect lens for that. So that's what we're going to try to explore today for y'all. So yeah. So I appreciate that, Chris. And so uh, but around that like bubbling rage, one of the things I've said before in the podcast is that when I was a child, um, I had a behavioral coach in elementary. I don't remember a ton of it. It was, you know, so long ago because, you know, we getting up there. Uh, But I had a behavioral coach because I was a wild kid. And again, it was never with my peers, right? Or with my siblings. It was always with authority, which being a young black man is not good. <laughs> you don't want to have beef with authorities. Mm. Um, but I did um, because I was, I was always spotting walking contradictions. And so I always had the confidence to call it out. And that would uh, either get me a pat on the back or a slap on the neck. And I would say probably a snap on the neck more than a, more times than that, than a, than a pat on the back. Mm. Uh, but behavioral coach um, gave me some skills to, I don't want to say repress, but manage a lot of the emotions that I was feeling that I couldn't really articulate. So they just were emotional outbursts mm-hmm. that I would have. And I wasn't having those conversations in the house because pops was, you know, working 10 hour shifts as a janitor and moms was a homemaker and there was seven of us <laughs> and I'm number six. So when you got teenage girls and you got teenage boys, in South Central Los Angeles, they're going to be your priority, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then along with mom going in and out of the hospital and such, I essentially raised myself, you know, made a lot of my own decisions, which is why when I showed up to school, I didn't know how to communicate these things, right? So whenever I was experiencing a disconnect, whenever I was feeling emotionally charged, whenever I was feeling disrespected, you know, I showed my ass. Mm. 
specifically to, to authority. But that's one of the things I had to tackle with a behavioral coach. And I don't think they, I don't know if they still do behavioral coaches in school or what they would be called. Did you, did they have behavioral coaches at your school in elementary? Oh man. Uh-oh. We had a thing called PACE. Okay. I don't remember what PACE stood for, but it was the kids that had behavioral issues as you are talking about, mm-hmm. but they weren't as subdued as yours were. Like, okay. The issue that these kids had was along the lines of like, they almost had borderline personality disorders before you, because you don't really understand what that is as a kid. You just think, oh man, Yvette get mad all the time, or Shuri, she just be sad a lot, or Matt, he he shut down. And it's like they would be mm-hmm. the pace kids. And it's because a lot of these kids had learning differences, as we will call it today. But it was more of the soft skills. It wasn't like they weren't smart or couldn't do the mm-hmm. work. It was just they didn't had them. They didn't understand how to communicate successfully to an adult or the teacher what they needed. So they had to go through a mediator to understand how to communicate mm-hmm. better because those things weren't modeled to them in their household. So, you know, and, and when I was a little kid, me being a, a jerk because I was a real firebrand. <laughs> I still am hockey for real. I used to make fun of them kids because I just didn't understand it. I shared a story on here, how to go through the chair at me or whatever, like try to kill me or whatever with the chair, with the desk. And I remember I was just making fun of her because she was, she basically she said something slick to me, man. I just started cooking her. And then she trying to kill me. I was like, oh, dog. <laughs> <laughs> she tried to kill me. <laughs> like, you got to imagine, man, I'm a little kid. She a little kid, you know what I'm saying? But she lifted up this giant metal steel desk and tried to slam it on my head. You know what I'm saying? If it wasn't for my quick instincts and my quick wiry legs, I would, if I didn't kick that desk out of the way, my head would have been busted. Bust like I should have bust my head to the white meat. I've been dead. There's no way. So yeah, man. You had some type of mediators that would help students mm-hmm. who had difficulties being able to communicate. And ultimately, what I want to get to is difficulty with emotion regulation. Yes. Right. Like they couldn't really regulate their emotions. And I honestly think, man, that's a deep, deep like human issue. And before I get too deep in that bag. What I'm mostly just trying to say at a high level is I think we all really struggle with like regulating our emotions and managing our emotions in situations. And I think our struggle, and I'm just saying broad sweeping, broad sweeping generalization, um, struggling with regulating our emotions leads to our perspective being warped and how we see things and perceive things. And based on how we see things and how we feel, and when we struggle to regulate those emotions, it determines how we act. And what we do and how we respond. And then all of that then coalesces into the outcome of the situation. And so understanding that equation, I didn't have this as a kid when I was going through my behavioral coach shit. Um, but they probably gave me something that stuck with me because I know I stopped <laughs> being a straight jackass for about a two to three year period, basically. Um, and then it kind of like sprouted again in middle school. So I should probably go back and think through some of whatever those triggers were because I can see them popping up now as an adult with senior adults, I'll say, that I'm working with. So, Chris, I think for me in this topic in particular, and as um, you said, Lorenzo yeah. was was talking about it, was it around like, how do you have a discussion with your young person, your kid, around regulating their emotions, communicating their emotions? I think it was more of a, in, a, in a way of how we do it ourselves. And you can, because, you know, when you got, I, I'm not a father, man, but I, I used to do a lot of youth work. And the best, the best teacher you can do, the best thing you could do is be the truth to a kid. Mm. Like, you always want to model good behavior. 
You always want to be a pillar of strength. You always want to be a pillar of perseverance, determination, not even greatness, but or achievement, just someone who's consistent. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's the biggest thing because you can tell a kid as much as you want. Everybody that's, we all been kids. You and me, you, myself, the people y'all that's listening, we all been kids. And you remember that when show and tell is always better to show than tell. Like when you see something, you can understand it better. Like kids are visual learners and they take the visual cues. So it's like, if you're a parent and you tell your kid to not curse in school, but every other day you call them MF this, son of a that, you know what I'm saying? Dirty, rotten this, you dumb this, dumb that. What do you think the kid is going to say in school? So when the kid gets to school and then they start cursing out everybody, that's not a reflection on the kid the whole time. That's a reflection on you as the parent. So mm. I think that's the biggest thing you could do, man. I don't think it's a matter of us, how you talk to a kid. It's about just being able to model that stuff in your So, So I think he's really talking about how we explore, like exploring the way that we manage that in our day-to-day lives. You know what I'm saying? So we'll get into it, but I do want to move back to the point you just made, because I say this to adults. I say this to all of my clients, and I say it to myself all the time. You got to model the behavior you want to see. Yes. You have to, because otherwise, as I said earlier, you are a walking contradiction. (laughs) If you are saying you should do this, but then you yourself are doing something else, like, are the rules not the same? Mm. Like, what are we talking about here? Right? So I love that you talked about consistency there and modeling that behavior and you know my perspective on this like how I try to operate with high integrity and hold myself accountable to you know being able to regulate and manage my emotions a lot of it is essentially that like what do I want to see in the people around me how do I want to show up in these spaces how do I want to be perceived it's it's really about how do I show up and be the best version of myself so that I can be the change that I wish to see so that I can leave the world better than when I entered it. Chris, for me, philosophically, that's what I'm like really focused on. And so when I'm thinking about how I show up in spaces, I'm really thinking about modeling the behavior that I want to see. And I think it's really important for me to be able to understand my emotions and understand my perspective and how my actions dictate the outcome of situations so that when there is misalignment with me and a peer or me and a friend um, or me and a, like a child or me, and, a, or me mm-hmm. and, and my mother or, or another adult, because I know the ultimate outcome of this, I want it to be a positive, progressive. What I mean by that is like make progress um, mm-hmm. toward an outcome. Like I want this to be a positive outcome. I know that I have to really allow my emotions to not run rampant. <laughs> yeah. I know I need to have the right perspective on this and, 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 take, and take the right action. So when there is a misalignment, I can really target that misalignment so that I can align us so mm-hmm. that we can get to that outcome. And so it's, it's doing what you have to do in order to get to where you need to go or get whoever you're connecting with to get them to where you need them to go. Mm-hmm. So in that instance, for me, it's really important for, for me to do the work yeah. and for me to understand how I'm showing up because if I don't understand that, then it could be a misconception in how somebody perceives me, right? Or they could see the fallacies in how I speak and how I, you know, try to groom them or grow them or try to connect with them. They can see the disconnect in that shit. And then I become a hypocrite, <laughs> a walking yeah. contradiction. Yeah. So in that case, for me, it's like I try to make sure that I'm showing up right. And I, ref- I set my intentions at the beginning of the day and I reflect at night on what I did. And for me, that's my way of being able to go through the dials of the day and just tweak, make small, subtle tweaks so that the next day I show up 
being that best version of myself. So I'm gonna start there with it, Chris. Um, I guess in my mind, the first thing I think of when I think of this topic is leadership. Cause in, mm. to, to me, I'm, 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 I'm very progressive in a lot of things, despite how I present. <laughs> on the podcast. Yeah, on the podcast. I'm super progressive <laughs> on a lot of things. But are you though? And some <laughs> and some things I'm not though. Like I, I, I believe that as a man, you gotta have your code, and this code is how you live your life. And that mm-hmm. that way you live your life, these rules that you set for yourself, these tenets that you follow. And the, one of the biggest ones is, you know, is integrity. And the second one would probably be honesty. And the third one probably had to be respect. And I feel like those are all the, those are the, like the cornerstone. That's the triangle of leadership. Whenever you look for a leader, you look for somebody who's going to be honest, somebody who's going to respect you and somebody that's going to have integrity. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the, if you've got those three things, it's the highest high and your in your life, it's hard for you to miss whatever target you shoot for. So mm-hmm. if I'm saying that as it relates to masculinity and being a man and keeping yourself in check, I think those are things I learned when I was a little kid, just growing mm-hmm. up around the way. The word is your bond thing was super, super duper evident in my day-to-day life. Like if you say you're going to do something to, for somebody and around the way, you better do it. Like you saying you're going to beat somebody up. They want to see you better be with all the smoke. You got to be on all the dumb shit. They want all the dumb shit because you say you're going to do it. So what's up? So I learned early. Don't say nothing if you ain't going to do it. So I'm, I was quiet, bro. I'm not talking trash to somebody that's about to about the smoke. I talk trash to my friends, but people that's like out in the street that I don't know that will kick me in the head and try to make me look ugly because I wanted to stay handsome. Mm-mm. That wasn't me, man. You could call me a punk. People used to call me wild stuff in the neighborhood. You a punk. You a bitch. You know, call me the F word because I ain't trying to say it. I ain't trying to offend nobody. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. And I'd be like, okay, I'll be that, man. I'll be that. You want to know what I can do? Read and write. What's up? You know what I'm saying? You want to know what I can do? Math. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm about to do? Go to the next grade. What's up? What you doing? I thought you repeated it third grade four times. I don't even know how you did that. You know what I'm saying? Ain't you like 11 in the second grade? What are you talking about? I'm no, I'm not what? Dumb. What's up? You know what I'm saying? And those are truths. I'm not lying. I'm not joning. I'm not saying nothing that's not true. And I can prove it. You want to know why? Because you see, I'd hit back yet again. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're slow. So I wasn't somebody that was trying to fight or, or beat, think I could beat the whole world. That never been me. Even though I was always lar- the largest person, even when I was a little kid, like, you know, four, five. <laughs> I'm a giant, you know what I'm saying? But I didn't know who I was because th- I'm still thinking I'm a little kid. And that that also carried with me most of my life. Like, I never understood I was a big dude until I got to, I'm not even going to be, I'm going to be honest. I didn't really realize I was tall until I was in seventh grade. I mean, in eighth grade. <laughs> like, I always had this short person mentality. Like, I just always had, because like- Don't be disrespectful now, tread lightly. No, I'm not saying it like that. I'm just saying like I always mm-hmm. had a shorter person mentality because of the, the the way people around me in my neighborhood was so hyper aggressive. They always seemed giant to me, even though I was much bigger than them. And it's because they were so braggadocious, so rah, and I wasn't that way. I was always more passive because I didn't want to. I ain't want no problems because I ain't want to. I knew where it would go because mm-hmm. I seen so many people get jumped, too many people get shot, people get stabbed over something dumb. Even when it came to girls, like I wasn't trying to really engaged with girls like that growing up because it came with so much. And I was like, dog, I'm not trying to get jumped or stabbed or beat up, hit by a car, hit in the head of the brick, a bottle, a basketball, because I'm talking to some chick that's talking to somebody else and I never know. So now he not going to charge it to her. He going to charge it to me. Like they moving on some whole different type time. That never been me. And I never 
I never liked that. Or even, you know, the things you say to people, how you pour into people. So when I'm around my friends and stuff, I always try to be positive unless, unless I'm talking mm-hmm. trash. But other than that, I always try to be positive. <laughs> and it's why, why is that though? Because I want them to understand that they can, they can, in times of need, they know they can talk to me and I have something positive to say for them. You know what I'm saying? Like that's important to me to know, for them to know that if they need something from me, no matter physically, mentally, you know, spiritually, I can be there. I could be that for them. And that's to everybody that has access to me in my immediate circle and my tertiary circle. Like people know they reach out to Chris for something. Chris, how times on the 10th, if he got it, he going to help you out, you know, because that's that's who I try to, again, a part of being in integrity and stuff. So all this, I, I say it again, it started when I was little, man. I had friends that were solid dudes and they showed me other things. Like you got to be willing to stand up for yourself. Like I, I, I can't stress that enough. Like I learned that from, Anthony, this dude I grew up with named Anthony Clark. Anthony was the, he the, he the nicest dude you will ever meet, bro. Nice. Mm-hmm. Just nice. Like he a big dude, like me and my brother. Like he, if me and my brother, I'm six, five kid was six, four and a half. He, Anthony gotta be six, three, six, two. And he, but he bigger than me. He looked like Beanie. Like he don't look like Beanie Seagull. And I'm not Jonah Anthony. Yeah. If you listen, bro, I don't want no problem. <laughs> I don't want no smoke, bro. Cause he still knock people smooth out. Like Anthony had hands. He had hands. He could beat. He will beat you up. He he can has get, hands. He fought has like a grown president. Yes, has. I'm not saying had. I'm saying has. He will knock out. He's a he did boxing a little bit. Like he he almost went semi pro. So he messed his body up and did some other stuff that I'm not going to talk about because of legal issues. He did. He was he was out here, bro. And people knew not to play with Anthony, but they thought he was he was sweet because his voice and the way he presented because he was so honest. He was he he was so tender, like he all he'd give you the clothes off his back. He's just nice like that. And that's why he like me and my brother when we was little, because we all nice, even though mm-hmm. and he used to be like, Man, y'all can't, y'all can't be this nice all the time, though. And he used to tell us that all the time. Like, man, y'all gotta be tougher. Y'all gotta be tougher, y'all gotta be tougher, y'all gotta be tougher. And me and my brother was like, We don't understand what you're saying, Anthony, because we just sitting in the house <laughs> reading books, playing with rocks, you know, like we was just super green to the world. Like we was in the wrong neighborhood, bro. Like me and my brother was in a more middle class neighborhood. We probably be rocket scientists or something, but because we was around the way, we got into what we got into. You know what I mean? Cause it just didn't make sense. Like the, the world around us, we was trying to make sense of everything that's going on. And it just mm. doesn't, it's nothing you can do to the sensory overload. Like, why is that person on the ground right now? They smell like urine. Why are they pee on themselves? Why didn't they just go to the bathroom? You don't understand that this person is drunk out their mind or overdose on, on heroin or something nuts, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it, it's just my friends. I feel like, but the first models of masculinity I had because a lot of my friends had older cousins, older brothers. And then the stuff that their older brothers and older cousins would tell them, they'd tell me and Kiego. And then when we got older, you know, we started moving away from just our ne- regular block mm-hmm. in the neighborhood. We started going down Burry Farms, which is why me and my brother always like, well, we are from? I was like, well, I grew up around Burry Farms. I'm not from there, but I grew up around Burry Farms. Yeah. Well, why? Because that's where I spent the majority of my youth as a young man. Like all the, th- all the experience I had, from thinking about anything. It all happened in more or less in Burry Farms, not in my neighborhood. Cause my neighborhood, everybody was trying to go so hard and be so tough to prove that they wasn't soft. It didn't make sense. You did, it's almost like you was born and you had to be a man out the womb. Like you, mm. you, you on the playground, you gotta be a man. We on a playground. <laughs> we playing with swings. I gotta be a man on the swings. I can't go wee. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Look at him. He a sucker. He a, he this, he a punk. He said we. You know what I'm saying? He having a good time. You like, you know, they, the girls jump a rope. They look, they look, the girls jump a rope. You like, oh, that look fun. Chris, you can't jump rope. What you why why can't I jump rope? They look they, the girls over there. Like, I wanna be like, you know, you little, you don't know if you like girls, but you know, you like girls. You're like, man, they smell good and they, you know, they look 
attractive. Like I'm gonna be with them. And they're like, no, nah, but you can't jump rope. But it's like the only way I could be with them though is to jump rope because I don't have conversation. I don't know how to make conversation yet. I'm come on, what do we like as in retrospect? That's why you jump and rope with the girls because you don't know how to make conversation. You could because as an older man, you can see women doing women things. You can just talk to them, like, hey, what's going on? Da-da-da. You got mm-hmm. conversation. As a little kid, I'll jump rope too. Let me turn. You just, it's because you just want to be over there. You know what I'm saying? I guess I say all that to say to, to bring this full circle is you learn you learn your masculinity in a lot of ways. And the best way I can say it again, you guys, as long as you're operating with integrity, honesty, and respect, you know, you, you can't, you're never gonna be false to mark. You're never gonna be false to mark. Never. I agree with those, man. I like those as core tenets. And to the idea of like, you know, what we wish our fathers would have taught us, like in respect to Lorenzo. Um, Chris, you you said something that was pretty cool, man. You talked about like how impressionable you are as a child. Like you're, you're, you're getting exposure to so many things, so many stimuli happening at mm-hmm. once that it would have been great to have an adult male present to help you through that discovery. Now, I'm not going to say all help is good help. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> because it depends on the lens of that individual yeah. and how they can shed light onto you or darkness. And and you've always talked about having really great male role models, especially partners of your mother, which is phenomenal. I I, I was going to say rare because it is phenomenal. Right. Um, And I'm not throwing too much shade to my father, but he just wasn't really there. He Mm. did what he was supposed to do. Keep money on the table. Right. Which allowed food to be on the table, lights to be on, et cetera. But outside of that, he wasn't really present. Right. So. That's one of the things that I wish it was like, you know, as I'm experiencing life and as I'm having difficulty with authority because I was the authority in my life. Mm. (laughs) So I will now not allow any other authority, authoritative figure impose himself on me. And and even you can even see the words that I'm using impose (laughs) versus shape me or guide me. Right. Again, when I saw that contradiction, I was like, yeah, not going to do it. But it would have been great to have someone there in my ear to say, you know, be open to feedback. Chris, like you said, uh, taking the meat, speed out the bones. Yes. Right? To be able to say that, right? To, to take it all with a grain of salt, right? Because just because we all may be flawed doesn't mean we all don't have experiences and knowledge to share with you for you to then make your own decisions. Yes. And so for me, it's just being vulnerable enough to have that conversation, right, with someone else and particularly with someone who would be your father and the mm-hmm. man that you can aspire to be like, right? And so that's 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 one of the things that I wish I had was in those moments just to be like, hey, yo, pops, this is kind of happening. Or when he saw that I was really struggling with something in my room and not really coming out or getting A's, but getting low marks, not even getting A's because elementary was what, numbers? Yeah, <laughs> or, one, or something two, three, like four. That. Yeah, one, you're two, right. Three, I'm sure you're getting right. fours mm-hmm. on my like academic performance, but getting like ones on my behavior. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a smart kid. But he tripping though, he tripping, tripping. And like just having somebody to be able to say, hey, yo, not even like that's not okay and come down on you hard, but like actually have a conversation like, yo, Mike, what's going on? Mm. And try to get to the root of it. And so I say that out loud knowing that that might be asking for a lot. And what I mean by that is that means that individual needs to be in a place to be able to have those conversations. Facts. And so when I say, I think one of my ultimate purposes and ultimate purpose is to be a father is because I welcome that and I want to have and create those spaces with my children. Yeah. Girl or boy, Chris, or whatever they want to identify as. Whack. 
<laughs> and I see that in you too, though, like being able to make and like hold that space. And I think that's like the the, the future grace we will allow for our children. Cause you will, Chris. I know how you, I know how you feel about grace. That five letter word. Worse than four letter word. <laughs> grace. I need space to grill. Shut up. Be better. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. But to wrap that one up, man, that that's one of the things that I wish I had. And I know that we will we will revel in that. We will be able to to do that at a really high level. And just imagine when we have more experience doing it, right? To sharpen those skills. But that's that's one of the things that I that I wish uh, I could have had and would have been taught by my dad. And I'll say this, Chris, before I hand it over to you. I never met my biological father. Yeah. And at a certain point, that became by choice. Okay. And I'm okay with that. You, on the other hand, have. Yes. And you've also had pretty good role models, male role models. Yes. But are there any things that you wish they would have taught you? Because they taught you a lot. So I want to start with saying another tenant I will say about, you know, manliness or being a man, you got to be a teachable teacher. Mm. And I think that's the thing that you find with people, especially young men. And let me say that. Let me rephrase that. That's what you find with men who've been in the streets for a long time. Mm. Like people that really is a soldier. Not somebody that's out here saying, hey, I go hard. I'm a gangster. I'm going to fight the world. It's people out here that just fight the world that are gangster. They become, they are, they at a certain point, they get so high up in it. They like, yo, this not working for me, bro. I got to become a teachable teacher <laughs> because someone needs to give me some game and pour into me so I can be successful, so I can leave this behind because I can't do this while I'm 40. And that's typically what happened. Dudes, especially black dudes, Latin dudes, you be running the streets, running hard, super hard, just running yourself into the ground until you turn about 40 years old and then you kind of settle down. You know, you'll find you a chick that been down with you since you was 13, because that's how I go. Yeah, yeah. Find you, 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 you get really into religion. You know what I'm saying? You become a, 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 a what is it called? A, a dean? or something like that. I forget mm-hmm. what it's called in the Muslim faith and the Islamic faith, but you become one of them people or you become a, a priest or a deacon or you get really into youth football, you know, youth <laughs> basketball. I'm being some, yeah. but you, you know no, what no, I'm saying? No, you know what I'm saying? You, you get into percent. this mold where you want to be around, you want to yeah. be around young men. You want to be a, a a river to your people like Will Smith said. Like you want to be a river to your people. And it's because you, every man that's, if you, you got a desire to do that, you want to be a leader. But you, it's hard to be a leader if you can't be if you can't be led. Like mm-hmm. at some point, you got to give yourself over to say, yo, you know what? I'm out of my depth. I need somebody to show me. Mm-hmm. And I think as much as I always say how many talents I got and I got all these gifts, I think that's me and my brother's main talents, that we are teachable teachers. You can show me and my brother anything. And if me and Kego don't know, we are all ears. Like if I don't know how to do something and you're willing to show me and spend that time to show me, I am more than receptive to learn this skill. Why? Because I, I I would like to be infinite minded. I think that's another thing about being a guy. Like you want to be able to have as many facets to your, to your, to your shape as possible. You don't want to mm-hmm. be round and you don't want to be a square. You want to be mm-hmm. multifaceted. You want to be a, a dodecahedron. You know what I'm saying? You want many sides, mm-hmm. many faces. So in that before I, well, that's what I want to begin with. So, because <laughs> you said a lot, and, and I feel like that's what you really was getting at, that teachable teacher thing. Mm-hmm. Like you need to be able to teach people and also be taught. And you do, because at the same time, you don't want to always feel like you're a student either. Like if somebody always showing you something, and I feel like that's how you get into relationships or you to switch it real fast away from the topic yeah, a little bit. Yeah. When you end up, when you, if you're a man or a woman or a man in, a, in your situation, whatever you believe in, how your partnership break out, if someone's always telling you something, what you should be doing, 
that relationship ain't gonna work because you feel like you're being controlled or you feel like mm-hmm. you're being um, belittled because you never do something right. But and then the person that's doing all the teaching or telling, they don't think they're doing something wrong because they think they're trying to help you. Like, yo, you're doing this wrong. Like, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. But you got to understand that you can't help everybody to the person that's trying to teach people all the time. And for the person that's being taught all the time, maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe you got to be more receptive to this educators. I'm just learning, you know, and it's yeah. not that person. They're not doing it from a place of maliciousness a lot of the time. Unless mm-hmm. it's, you know, abusive, because then that's different. You know, it's like, I, you should wear, I want you to clean the house and pumps. It's like, that's abuse. Like, that's not even, don't, don't do that. When you Every cook a meal. That, I, cl- I, went, I cried in the corner when she told me that. She's like, you know. I'll just play. <laughs> Mike household out of order. Mike household is out of order. He said his, his wife told him to wear pumps. When he cleans up, there's a lot to unpack there, and I don't think we have time this episode to talk about it. But we might have to check back in with that. That's crazy. That's nuts. But to get back into what it's, I guess to what you was talking about, like I was a blessing that way. You know, my mother had a lot of things she was dealing with, but she always made sure to bring positive, real role models around me and my brother. Mm-hmm. She was doing what she was doing, living her life. You know, being super mixy and all that. But she never brought anybody around me in Kiego who she didn't think had potential to be a paragon of masculinity, you know, to mm-hmm. show us what a provider was, to show us what a, a leader was, to show us what a lover was. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Things of that nature. Those are things that we would learn from her bowls, as she would call them. And then my brother also learned a lot. Like I used to pick up masculinity wherever I could. Cartoons like Dragon Ball Z, one of my favorite cartoons, because to me, Dragon Ball Z is a real testament to being real. Like you fight for your friends, you defend mm-hmm. your land, you defend your property, you make sure you 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 make sure that everybody around you feels protected and safe when they end you. They can believe in you. If people pour into you like the spirit bomb, people pour into you. You should be able to put that back out in the world. You know, like that's that's a thing. Like it's a meta. It's a lot of metaphors to me. And I can write a dissertation of thesis on Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, and mm-hmm. then also TV shows. You know, Martin. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, The Different World, like those things, those are really, really good examples of what it means to be a young man growing up, you know, how to have a relationship, how to communicate with your partner, when you, to recognize when you're being immature. Those are themes that are very present in those shows, even from the female side, girlfriends, Moesha, um, Living Single. I used to watch those shows too. Why? Because I was very interested in how women, the female experience and how they mm-hmm. view men, because I don't want to be viewed as someone who's negative in the eyes of the women of a person I'm trying, I'm pursuing to have, the person I'm campaigning yeah. to maintain a relationship with. I want to understand how they think. And if this show can give me a glimpse of a perspective that I have no access to, I'm trying to see that. Cause I'm, again, I'm trying to learn, I'm teachable. So, and to get into the piece you said about my father, I mean, I had a lot of negative role models as well. Like model behavior to me, like I said, my father wasn't the most positive person ever. Mm. Like he just wasn't. Uh, and as much as I think the best thing he ever did was stay away when he was doing what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm being honest, like people mm-hmm. always say, oh, like people hate their father or people dislike they, that their father wasn't a part of their life and all that. And I went through that too. Like I didn't understand why he didn't want to be a part of my life. And it just used to start bothering me a lot. Cause I, especially as I got older, cause I kept thinking, you know, if I'm gonna have kids, I'm gonna have kids, I'm gonna have kids and my kids gonna ask me questions and I ain't gonna have no answers. And that's the worst, mm-hmm. to me, that's the worst thing that, you know, if you got a little one and they ask you something you don't know, and then not only do you not know, there's no way for you to find out. To me, that's the worst. 
So, and that used to, and as somebody who has so much pride based in how my intelligence and being able to be a, a, a repository of inspiration, bro, it used to bother me. Like I remember when I met Kenny, mentor or whatever, mm-hmm. um, one of the first real conversations we had, man, I remember I was talking to him, man, cause I thought he was my uncle. Cause his name, his last name, like my father's last name, Diggs. And I thought he was my uncle because his name Kenny Diggs. And I was like, my uncle's name is Kenny Diggs. And I remember I pulled him to the side and when he walked in my job, I was like, are you my uncle? He was like, what? I was like, are you my uncle? Like, I was just, I, don't, I ain't met my uncle since I was eight years old. Mm. I just remember he was kind of tall. Well, John, he was a giant to me when I was a little kid, but he, I was like, you're not short. You're not tall either, but you're not short. And I, <laughs> and I was like, I also remember he was light-skinned and you light-skinned, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, he had a goatee. You kind of got a goatee. And I remember he had a low hair. He had a low fade with waves. I was like, but you got the, you know, you got the drop top. You ain't got no hair. You bald headed. You know what I'm saying? It's, you got the scalp. You know what I'm saying? You got put the, you got the turtle wax on that joint. But maybe it just fell out from the years. You know, I don't know. He's like, how old do you think I am? I said, I don't know. I just know you're older than me. And your name Kenny Diggs. So you might be my, you might be my uncle. You got anybody in your family named Earl? He was like, whoa, what's happening? He's like, <laughs> I remember he's just like, Son, I'm not your uncle. Like, you can't be walking up to a grown man that you don't know on the street. That's not your uncle. Da, 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 da. And I remember that in that moment, he realized I, he just took me under the wing. He's like, bro, <laughs> come here. I got you. I got you. Yeah, I got you, man. I got you, though. I got you, though. We're going to figure this out together, man. And from then, we've been rocking. Since then, we've been rocking. But, you know, I, I had broke down, man, because I didn't know what to do, man. I was like, I'm sorry, man. Like, I felt so embarrassed. I got overwhelmed. And yeah. I started crying, bro. Because I was like, I ju- I'm just, I'm sorry, man. I just started crying. Like, I literally started crying. I was like, I'm sorry, man. I just, it's something mm-hmm. my. It's been in the back of my mind, and seeing you and your name, it just brought up a lot of emotion. I was like, "This is weird." Like, I don't know why I'm doing. I barely know you, like, but and then you know, we were rocking since then. So when me and my father did reconnect, and that, in a lot of ways, that's thanks to one of my exes, because <laughs> I wasn't going to contact my father, but I always okay. used to express to her that I wanted to contact my father, and how my half sister had been reaching out, and how I was afraid. Hmm. Afraid of what? Reaching out to my father. I was afraid. Afraid you wouldn't return the call. Afraid no. That. Afraid of what I would learn. Hmm. What if? What if? You know what I'm saying? It's it's to me the unknown is one of the, my biggest fear. The unknown. I'm I'm afraid of the unknown. Like not knowing how something's going to work out. I don't like that. I like to have hmm. plans. I like as much as I like to say our freestyle stuff. I like to have stuff thought out and I know the way things are going to work out because I don't like to lose. So. And then I thought I might lose, you know what I'm saying? Like, what if I meet him and it's not what I wanted? And it's like, that's, that means I, I wasted my time, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, it's, it's just a lot of emotion that's yeah. in that. So I was afraid. Um, and the biggest thing I learned from that relationship with her was like, you can't be afraid. You gotta be willing to try new things. Cause we did so much stuff together, like just new stuff all the time. So and that kind of, I still try to continue that now. And I'm thankful for having that experience with her, you know? She encouraged me to reach out to my, my half sister. So I did. And then she and me responded like that, you know, and then it was moving fast. I was like, oh my, and I just remember I was so overwhelmed. It was moving so fast. I was like, oh nah, like, oh my God, like it's moving <laughs> so fast. <laughs> yeah, like just slow down, like I barely, oh man. So then, and then, it's, and then you know, push came to shove. We finally got to meet. It was a lot of back and forth. We got to meet. I remember I met my father and he took, I met him at his, his apartment and he lived, he lived at Gallery Place. And I was mm-hmm. just like, he lived like six stops from me from when I grew up, where I grew up. And I was like, and that's, and he only lived around, like he lived three stops from where I worked. So it's mm-hmm. like, dang, man. He, and it's like, he'd been home for some time. Cause my mother would always, when we would talk, you know, time to time, she would tell me she ran into my father somewhere. 
and how he was jumping out the window running from the state marshals or how he was mm-hmm. laid up with some chick or how he was in the street knocking somebody out beat somebody up you know what i'm saying how you know my father was a man of in the he was infinite minded in a different way he was skilled and talented and blessed in a different way but mm-hmm. you know it was just weird and and i saw the way he was living and i remember i just saw so much of myself in this man and that was just that was the thing that scared me the most it's like, dang, I'm so, as much as I live my life thinking I was trying not to be like this man, I am so much like this man, it don't make sense. Mm. Like, it's just certain things you get, I guess, from the, just a little bit of times he visited me and a little bit of times I remember visiting his house when I was a little, little kid, like three, four years old, I would have those memories and those became core memories for me and core placements of my personality from the way that I sit, the way that I look at people, the way I hold my head, the way... I moved my hands. Like it was, it was, it was like, it was like looking in a, a mirror and seeing yourself when you're an older man. Like, and that's yeah. the wildest part about that whole experience. And like the way he like he looked like me. Like I can't, the way his mustache was, the way his eyebrows are, like the way he can hold himself. It's like me. And it was like, but I barely know you, but I'm so much like you. So he showed me his like kung fu movies and he liked boxing and wrestling mm-hmm. and you know, he like keeping stuff neat and organized. He's very particular. You know, he cut his own hair and had his clip, had his smell goods and his bathroom. Was so everything in his house was mad clean. It was super clean in his house. And I was like, dog. That's like when I say it was super clean in his house, like he'd been to jail. He he'd been on and out, in and out of jail. And I was like, dang, man, he's but his house spotless. Like it's clean, bro. Like a hotel, bro. And I was like, dang, that's like me. Like I like keeping my house that same way, especially when I know somebody coming over. His clothes was color coordinated. Bro, it was just, everything was just so perfect. I was like, that's exactly like how I want my stuff to be. And I was like, dad, I got to start keeping up. Like, I got to get on that too. So I remember I went home and I remember I rearranged my closet. Cause I was like, man, that was fire. Like, I like that, you know? So we, he lived in Chinatown, <laughs> which is weird. <laughs> Cause I like eating Chinese food, you know? It was weird, bro. So we we go sit down, we walk down the street. He got on his um his velour Jordan suit, like it's all velour from head to toe. And he got his little dad hat and his white, and it's like perfectly fit. Like he flies to a mug. Like that's one thing about my father. He always been fly, super fly. Like me, like I like being fly too. Like, you know what I'm saying? I like being fly too. So I'm fly like today, and he fly like the 90s. Like he got his velour suit mm-hmm. it's in the sky blue. That's one of my favorite colors, blue. And he went he got his Jordans and he got his socks. They they white, icy white socks. Got on these white and blue Jordans, bro, like the like the Carolina Jinx. And me just walking down the street and he talking to me, people talking to him, what's going on? What's going on? I'm like, hey, man, a lot of people know you. He said, man, they know me. I was like, okay, like me, like just being, you know, not uh-huh. ar- I guess a little arrogant, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's, yeah. So I'm like, hey, man, I got so many of this man characteristics. Like, that's crazy. He laughed like I laughed, like, hee hee hee. Like, he laughed high too, even though he got like a lower voice. But my father talked like DMX, talk like this. Short sentences like this. That's how my father talk. But like, baby, man, don't be no taunt. You know, you like women? Like, I mean, he just asked me all these questions. Like, and I'm, I'm, you know, real blunt. Like me, like just being forward, super forward, bro. Like forward. And I'm like, yeah. And we sitting down in the restaurant, little Chinese food spot. It's barely anybody in there. But he's like, it's good. We're going to eat. I was like, all right. And I immediately think to myself, I'm paying. I'm paying, like, it's no way, I'm paying. Like, this is my first meeting my father ever. I know I'm doing super good. I know he coming, I don't know if he just, I know he came home, but I don't know if it's just came home. I just know it's, you know, I was like, I'm right. gonna treat my father. Like, I something I wanna be able to do. And uh, it was tight, like, we sit down, we just chopped it up for about an hour. 
like we we talked in his house for about 20 minutes and we chopped it up for an hour over dinner and he was just telling me stuff and I remember as soon as we sat down we ordered the food I remember the first thing he told me was that he was sorry you know what I'm saying and mm-hmm. I can't I can't stress that enough bro like that did so much for me I don't, I can't explain it mm-hmm. I really can't like even right now like I'm getting chopped like caught up thinking about it like he apologized right. saying it's just a lot like it made me feel good you know like he knew what he did was wrong. Mm. And I remember I forgave him because he apologized in that moment. And that's something, that's not me. I'm not somebody that accept apology, like, you know, <laughs> like that. <laughs> you know, I just push past, you pimp past it. You know, you pimp past it. Like, it ain't that deep. It ain't that deep. It's all right. It's all right. But in that moment, I remember I was like, he just apologized to me and I did. And that's what I kind of wanted, like, to understand. Yeah. Understanding. Like, why wasn't you around? Like, you know, I needed you. How key? Like, mm-hmm. he wasn't there for me. And then he told me, his side of the story, because I only ever heard my mom's side of the story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know how that go. Yeah. You know you know how that go. Like, you, you know, when a relationship go bad. And that's why I always give baby daddies benefit of the doubt as somebody who was raised by a baby mama. Like, well, a lot of us are. But you got to realize a lot of those times, like, those women be hurt, man. And they're trying to figure out a way to hurt this man. And the best way to hurt a man is what? To take, keep them from their son. You know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, she he had told me a bunch of stuff, like how he used to write us letters and try to call us. And like my mom would pick up the phone and hang it up, like mm-hmm. take the letters and hide them, like rip up the letters. Like so it's like to cut us all from. Him. And I was like, I ain't never get no letters from you. And I remember later on, I remember I was going through some stuff in my my mom's house and I found the letters. It, like, it was crazy, bro. Like, she just had them. Yeah. She just had them, bro. And it's like, and I remember I was reading them and I was like, dang, bro, like, this would have changed my whole perspective, like, growing up. Because I had so much, not, I don't want, hatred, man, for this man in my heart. Like, disdain, not hatred, disdain for this man in my heart. But it's like, the dates on it lined up, like, dang, man, he really was trying to reach out, call us, call people he knew. Like, it was just a lot. You know, anyway, to get back to the story, when he apologized, he was just like, yeah, man, I was I follow a very, he's a very different person than I am. <laughs> he's like, man, I was fucked up. <laughs> that, that is the one difference. He used his words. Yeah, he, he, words. yeah he, he's very, he a street dude for real. He's like, I was fucked up, man. I wasn't, I wasn't doing what I needed to be doing. And uh I, I I just thought it'd be best that, you know, I wasn't around like that. I was like, uh, I was like, yeah, okay. You know, it's cool, man. It's no problem. He was like, nah. He's like, nah, nah. It's it's not a problem. I understand. I but because uh, he had a stutter, you know, mm-hmm. and even I got a little stutter, you know. But I got past it. But his stutter was more severe. So he's like, it, I, you know, I was going through a lot, and you know, I'm, I'm happy that we ever sit down, man. I was happy we sit down, man. I was happy we sit down, man. And uh, yeah, man, I love you, man. And I remember I was like, whoa. You know, that's all I remember. I, I just thought to myself, yeah. whoa, whoa. And in that moment, I had a decision to make. Do I say it back? You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Or do I just keep it to myself? Like, just take that moment. And I chose to be like, I love you too. I was like, I love you too, man. Hey, there we go. Because I, and because of the, and that, and that, I could see it, his whole face change. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, he needed that as much, as much as I needed him, he needed me. Mm-hmm. To get that forgiveness from his son, I guess. Because he had been a part of his daughter's lives. They close. They, they was mad close. And mm-hmm. I ain't had that experience with him. Like, it was just a lap, bro. And, you know, he would chop it up. 
from time to time on a, he, he like text messages on Insta, on Facebook message or whatever. Mm-hmm. He liked cooking. That was his favorite thing to do was cook. And I was like, mm-hmm. word. He's like, hey, I make seafood salad. It's good, man. Yeah, make it for y'all. You have a cookout. Uh, and I was like, I used to like doing cookouts. You know, he like, yeah. we have a cookout. I'm, I'm make some, some chicken, chicken, some, some seafood chicken, seafood salad and some hot dogs, poker beans. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, y'all come through, man. You and your sisters, man. I'm have all my kids, grandkids. I want all y'all to be together. I want y'all to be together. Digs, man. Digs. It's about digs. We're gonna be a family, man. We're gonna be a family. And I was like, whoa, like he real loud trying to. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Hold up. Want me to step in here? Hold up. Yeah, hold up. He trying to bring us all together. Slim. I appreciate you. So, and and the flip on that is. Um... I like that you said this day that was in your heart that stopped you from, or at least held the place in your heart that you wish he assumed. And for me, you know me, I'm a, my pettiness can go to level 1000 and stay. Yeah. Um, and with my birth father, I had decided because he had decided that he wasn't going to be game because the difference between your mother and my mother is that although my mother is flawed like all of us, and although she had animosity for my dad because of how he treated her, the one thing that was very clear for her was that that didn't have nothing to do with the kids. And that, for my mother, I thought was super dope because my mother would say, Mike, talk to your dad. If your aunt call and he on the other line, He'll get a phone to my sister Renee, because me and Renee, same father, same yeah. mother. Renee would jump on that phone. And she didn't want to talk. My mom, you know, she was like, You don't want to talk if they call? I'm like, nah. <laughs> I we go to my aunt's house in Compton. She lived in a nice little park, nice little crib. And then you start to see, like, yeah, I'm growing up over here, you know, in poverty. But over here, y'all living. That made me even more upset, yeah. right? But then when he would call, I was like, oh, you think it's sweet now? Like, I'm, on, I'm in your territory. I'm with your peoples. Yeah. I get to see how y'all living. I'm really not about to say nothing to you. So he would call, and I would just sit there and just hold the phone. He could hear me breathe, and I didn't even want to give him that. Mm. Dead ass. I didn't want to give him nothing. It was like, you don't deserve nothing from me, and I don't want nothing from you. But if I had to keep it 100, Chris, if I had to keep it a buck, I ain't never said this out loud. Um, and I definitely haven't said it on wax. Um, I think it would have been nice to have met my father. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point in my life, I did plan to see him. Mm-hmm. And similar story to you, Chris. All I had to do was make a phone call. And I reached out to my aunt. She's no longer with us. She passed maybe about like a year and a half after trying to do all of this. But I reached out to my aunt and I was like, yo, so I had had several conversations with people and I had people tell me what they told you. Like, you know, when you have children, they're going to ask about their yeah. grandpa and you're not going to be able to tell them. They're going to ask why. And if you're going to be you, Michael, and be truthful, you're going to tell them what you tell them and they're going to hold you accountable to that. Like you should, you could know, yeah. you should know, um, but you didn't. Um, and I'm not like a big regrets person. I just, you make decisions and you live with your decisions unless you do something super egregious, then you can regret it. But for the most part, I think if you learn from that, it's good. But to that point, Chris, I um, reached out to my aunt and then things started to move real quick. 
Yeah. Phone call that to another phone call that to another phone call that to another phone call. And it was like, all right, so we out here in Texas. Can't remember where they were. They said there's out there in Texas. <laughs> and Chris, this is what I learned. My birth father had about 12 kids. Uh, Renee and I are the only kids with his last name. So I, I learned that I was the only boy. So here we go. <laughs> that my birth father had that had his last name. And I was just like, I don't want to know this stuff. I don't like it. Right? Because I had yeah. great disdain. I was like, I don't want to carry that. I almost changed my name when I was 18 to Steven, which is my mother's last name. Because yeah. I said, that's who I identify with. But, you know, going through that whole paperwork, I had just went to college and all that stuff so it wasn't the right time um but things started to move so fast and they said yeah come out here you can meet your cousins you can meet your aunts and we could all you know like you said we could do it up yeah. family and i'm like oh no nah, i'm not coming out there for y'all i'm just coming out there to see him mm -hmm. i don't need all this other stuff i don't and this is, I was around, I was in my early 20s, probably like a couple years removed from school. So I had a little bit, I could move about how I wanted to. But then I learned that I would have to, like uh, where they were in Texas, I'd need to fly to Alabama or something like that, or whatever was the next closest state, and then drive three hours to where they were, mm -hmm. which means I would have to stay with him and wherever he's staying, and it would be a full family affair. And I was like, I don't want all of that. If I could have it my way, I'd fly you out to where I'm at. Damn. So we could do it my way, on my terms. Yeah. And Chris, I had so many thoughts. I was like, yo, show up as, as you would say, Chris, Michael McElveen, yeah. you know, come suited and booted, clean as fuck, you know, with warrior on my chest, chip on my shoulder, yeah. hell on my back, you know, just with that mentality. Look what you fucked up on. And look how I turned out. Yeah. Super petty, super petty. Um, but when I felt all that pressure to do all the things that they wanted me to do in their way, I said, you know what? I'm done. I don't want to do this. So I cut off all communication. Wow. And a year and a half later, I think, my aunt passed. And my sister made connections with her half-sisters and all of that stuff. And I'll leave a lot of the jazz out of it, but the long story short, um, there developed some kind of animosity. And I don't want to say my sister is free from not having contributed to it because I know she's a, she got a temper on her. But there appeared to be a lot of animosity uh, between the siblings. You know how I show up. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not here for those shenanigans. I, this ain't got nothing to do with y'all. I don't know y'all as far as I'm concerned. I don't have to ever yeah. know y'all. But the issue was, is I still had that inkling like, for no other reason, not the future implications of having children and them asking and inquiring about their grandfather, but just for me. Like you said, I've been told that I'm a split image yeah. of my birth father. And I look just like him. And it's kind of crazy to see your mother look in your eyes and see, and yeah. see him, yeah. the love of her life that yeah. got away. Uh, and like, kind of look at you like, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, that's him. That's Shorty. So call him Shorty Matt. Uh, shorty. So, yeah, dude, a couple years after that, he passed. He passed. And so, I'll never get the chance to meet him, learn from him. Yeah. But there's still an opportunity to understand my lineage and my heritage and all that if I were to connect with the family on your side. But Chris, I think at this stage in my life into 
bring this to where I wanted to bring it to is I did have a lot of disdain. I used to say that I didn't. I used to say that I didn't care, but you know what that means. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. You care a lot more than you're willing to say you do because you're hurt. And I was hurt because I thought I was him. I knew I was him. And it's ironic and hilarious to hear you talk about your dad because I know you love the the adage, I am him. When you was with your dad, you were like, literally, I am him. him. It was weird, though. (laughs) And so for me, I was like, I'm him. I'm that kid. People are telling me I'm special. I'm going to be great. And you didn't want to be here. And then it made me fall in love more with my mother. And what I mean with that, what I mean about that is just like, I just had a greater, more fond appreciation of my mother because she stayed. And I had a greater appreciation for the father that I did have. So I was like, he didn't have to do this. Um, But I lost and shed that disdain after a while because I was just like, yeah, you don't need to carry that, bro. You're like, you you really don't. And I made the decisions that I made to not see him. So it was my choice. So I have to live with the choice of not meeting my father. Mm Because at a point, that was on me. From a child when I said no to a teenager when I said no to an adult (laughs) when I said no. Um, But I do appreciate that my mother created space for that relationship to be had and to be nurtured. And in your case, man, I appreciate that you had that moment. Because yeah, you know. at the end of the day, for me, I can at least live vicariously through you. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I don't know, man. That was weird, man. You know, that, I don't you know, uh, you know, I had a moment of weakness there, you know what I'm saying? It happens to the best of us, King. Yeah, I know, but you know, it was just, it was just so, that moment was, was good for me, man. Was, you know, family important. Some always wanted like, grow up, you got a wife, whatever, got your, got your sons, you know, hopefully twins, you know, <laughs> preferably. <laughs> man, you preferably. know, yeah, man. <laughs> and then you, you know, if you got your family, man, y'all doing it big, man. You taking care of business, you know, you living your life doing good. Like that's what, mm-hmm. to me, that's what it's about. Like living your life, doing good, doing good things for people that know you and those around you, making sure your community is good. You know, the people that you can affect. That's how you, that's how you change. To me, that's how you change the world, man. You change the world by making sure that the people around you are good. And if I feel like if everybody had that mentality that they just make sure the people around them are good, we have a lot more happy people, man. But, you know, we all get caught up in the wrong thing. Get caught up in these, these like carnal pleasures and desires that lead us astray from what we really should be doing and looking out for each other and building that community. So, I say all that to say, man, yeah, man. Thanks, Lorenzo, for this topic. And, you know, keeping your manness in check, man. If you, if you, if you like Mike said, you, you always try to be positive, move with integrity. And, you know, I said I added honesty and respect on it. And model that behavior. Model that behavior you want to see. Yep. And be a teachable teacher. Mm. You know, you, you, your, your, your kids, your sons, the people in your life, you're going to be in good shape, man. Everybody around you going to be in good shape because they know when you're around, you a leader, man. You ain't got to worry about nothing, man. We going to figure it out. Like, I remember in high school, following me and my brother friends, man, they knew when me and Kiego was moving from a, away from an area, it was time to go. We ain't mm-hmm. even had to say nothing. And they, and people, you know, you think about why, how you ain't had to say nothing, everybody just followed y'all. It's like, nah, it wasn't a matter we, who was lead, like who the leader of the group or who the, you know what I'm saying, who's leading the pack. It wasn't like that because we all had different strengths. And then mm-hmm. there was moments we all recognized what our strength was. And when somebody doing something, if that person is the best at that thing, you let them take the flea. But me and Kiego got danger sense. We got spidey sense, bro. <laughs> if me and Kiego see something popping, we all around watching. And me and Kiego look around and we just move quietly. We just step off. And then they know to step off too. Why? Because 
two minutes later, a minute later, police coming. You know what I'm saying? Teachers coming. It's it's problems. It's like Smoke a, coming. Chris, you know, going to parties and stuff. It's kind of like when you do an Irish goodbye. You just slip out the joint and you tell nobody. You just slip out, duck out. I guess. I guess what's what's called. I don't know about no Irish. Socialize. Yeah, they understand what I'm saying right now. Uh, I Chris, guess that's, that's for you. It was an Irish goodbye. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm out, I'm out. And they be like, where do you go? Uh, yeah, we's gone. We be down the street. Remember, we be down the street. <laughs> oh damn, Kego, Chris Kego left. Ain't he say nothing? Why you ain't say nothing? Because we ain't exactly. want nobody, nobody else to come. Y'all should have knew we and Kego wasn't there. We the biggest people. Don't just follow us. You be all right. You know, there's a thing. It happened multiple oh, times, oh, bro. God. Yeah, fuck, man. Listen, man. You know what's up? I ain't saying <laughs> over here. This nonsense. It's too me. It's hot. It's too hot over here. So. Let me do this, Chris. Uh, I appreciate you recapping that, man. And the one, the one thing I definitely do want to double down on is the level of vulnerability that you need to have as a man. To have that with another man, like we do on a day-to-day basis, Chris. Us being able to be vulnerable here with each other, but then also to put it on wax. And to be able to, like you said, be shaped, be malleable. Allow yourself to be groomed by someone else. And if you show that you're willing to grow... Like I, like I want to be able to show my child, like, yeah, I'm willing for you to teach me in some situations, just like I need you to be willing to be taught by me yeah. in a lot of situations. Uh, but you got to show it in order for that to be received. And man, I'm excited and look forward to that for the both of us. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to just need you to, to move to Chicago, um, Chris, um, so we can be down the street from each other or something like I that. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. You visit in the summer. You can switch kids in the summer. You send your kid to me. I send my kid to you. <laughs> For the summer, that'd be, I feel yeah. like that'd be fire, you know? They, they handshake. Yeah, handshake, man. You know, they handshake. can live they can live in your mansion with your doctor wife, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they, they can live a middle-class lifestyle with me, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> what we having today? Sardines. <laughs> my, we don't eat canned food in my house. We eat five times a week. We eat vegan and a plant-based diet. Well, tonight we're having Popeye's fried chicken. Hope you don't throw up because if you do, you're going to clean it up. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Bud. <laughs> Sorry, and sweetheart. The, and that's the podcast. <laughs> Blow, man. As as always, Stiff Works, you know what I'm saying? We're brought to you by Stiff Works. Um, a great branding consultancy, creative consultancy that you can contact online, which I own, operate, maintain. Um, head to stiffworks.com, S-T-I-T-H-W-O-R-K-S.com. And go ahead and check out your boy's portfolio. And um, if you need some work, I got that work for you because stuff works. And also brought to you, you know, I'll jump it in this title, little remix for the folks, Velma Jean Studios. Mm-hmm. We work with venture capitalists, philanthropists, small business, for profit and nonprofit around for folks who are creating strategies mm-hmm. and trying to understand how to implement their strategies for their organizations and to measure the impact of those strategies so that that grand vision that you had for your organization is realized. Come over there and work with Velma Jean Studios. We are an impact design studio. We're black owned by no other than himself, your boy, Mike. Um, and we're excited to work with you. So head over to Velma-Jean.com and let's connect. That's the podcast. Wow. Appreciate you, babe. Appreciate you too, man.